Welcome to episode 163 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 163 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. I'm very good, Bevan, thanks. I didn't even ask you. <laughs> I know. I was, gonna, I, was just, I was just giving John some music lessons, wasn't I? You were. That metronome? Yeah. Impressed? Beep, 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 yeah. beep, beep, beep. I could, I could play a song for you right now if you want. It's okay. You sure? I can I'm... play my guitar. You know what I did the other night, John, that was quite romantic of me? Okay, it's not, it's not romantic talk 101, but... No, 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 no but listen, Joe and I wrote a song together and we recorded it. I got out the guitar, we wrote God. the words, and we wrote the words together, <laughs> and then we got out the guitar and we recorded it. Okay, you like that? that's great. I am into oh, I am talk. talk oh, call I didn't see the last back. last syllable out. It's probably brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. Just, just honestly, just get it. <laughs> just drink it. That should be the new slogan. <laughs> Albert, word. just drink it. Just drink it. Yeah. Here we go. And you can put a little swish underneath the coffee. Right. Beans. Yeah. Beautiful. Athlinks.com. Oh, you meant to say that? Athlinks.com. Just. Social it. Just socialize. <laughs> yeah. And trybuys.com. Just buy it. I wonder if anybody's got that one. Just Surely. buy it. Surely. That's pretty obvious. Let's just drink it. It's original. Yeah, it's original. Okay, well, John's still in Poland. How's Poland? No, you're not. You're actually home, but you couldn't be bothered. Well, I've just touched down. You've just touched down? What Fla- time? Flight got delayed, so that's why we pre-recorded. Nobody gets any sympathy from New Zealanders when they say they've got Tough travel schedules when you got to travel from New Zealand to Europe. You just don't understand. They just don't understand, do they? <laughs> no. No. It is very difficult. It's hardcore travelling. It is. It's probably the hardest travel you can do, really, isn't it? It is. It's very difficult. Really? Well, we basically, got, to give you guys an idea, we, we leave... Luckily, I've got a connection straight through to... Here we go. Hey, stop playing, <laughs> playing the violin. Stop playing the violin. We have about, about 12 hours through to Asia. If we leave from Christchurch, you generally go Christchurch, Auckland, which is an hour and a yeah, half. Yeah, you've got to wait like an hour and a half. Wait, and then you've got another 12 hours to Singapore or somewhere in Asia. Yeah. Then you've got another about 10 to 12 hours yeah. through to somewhere in Europe. Then you've got to connect to somewhere connect. else. They don't understand and, uh, your language. Yeah. So you speak funny. It's a long way, but it's very gratifying. So. <laughs> you're feeling quite gratified right now, are you? That's good. The only thing uh, is I do feel like a bit of a hypocrite because I'm becoming more and more of a greenie. And the one area of greenness that I can't work John, on is... You, 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 is my, wait, wait, wait. We're talking about the senior show. We're talking too much. Let's okay. talk about the show. So this week we've got an interview with Chris Lee. Yep. And a uh, really, really good guy, eh? Yep. Really great guy. And really interesting interview as well because he's got... He's, he comes from a business background. Well, he hasn't done a lot of business, but he studied in business. So he kind of looks at the sport in a way that maybe what most athletes don't look at it like, eh? Well, yeah, I think you've, what you find is... The Aussie guys seem to be really onto it. They do, don't they? You know, if you look, Why is it? Maca, well, a lot of them come from the same club in the same area, and they know each other very well, so I think they've learnt well off each other. Yep. You know, you've got Macca, who, who you know, he does very well um, in terms of making a good living out of the sport because yep. he's marketed himself. Crowey is, is a pretty smart fella, probably not to the same level in terms of pushing himself out there, but he's, he's all through the magazines these yeah. days. Um, if we talked to, what's his name, in... Um, Jason Meadows, who's also from that same sort of training group, who guy that went yep. to Dubai. Uh, I listen. Greg Bennett is very onto it again from that same group, and uh, and Chris Lee, uh, same sort of deal. He's um, uh, you know just a good all-round professional athlete. Mm, that's a good interview. So we'll check it on right now. Uh, here we go. 
Rightio, so on today's show we're very happy to have Chris Lee, um, our good fella Cam at Tribeyes was telling us a little bit about Chris, obviously we know some of his background but he's telling us he's uh, won over 85 professional races around the world. That's, that's pretty sharp. That's, that's a solid amount, two time Ironman uh, champion, five time Australian national champion, uh, held the world number one ranking for long course triathlon from 99 to 2000, a couple of uh, top 10 finishes in the in Kona, so he's he's a well-credentialed fella. So uh, welcome along to the show, Chris. Thanks, thanks for having me. But he also seriously kicks ass in exterior. Oh, God, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> it's sort of a it changed. Uh, I think standards this year when a couple of the Olympic mountain bikers showed up. So oh, it, uh, really? Could they? Swim? It showed a flaw in in my ability. I'll say that much. So, how, did you manage to outswim them? And how much did they take out of you on the bike? Oh, I didn't even want to look at the time. Actually, I wasn't healthy, so I'm not going to get too worried about it. But, uh, I mean, they they honestly set a new standard. And I think a, a few of the old boys sort of realised they had to step up their game a little bit. Really? Good. Yeah, it was, uh, it was impressive. Hey, tell us a little bit about your background because um, you're a well-known athlete, but uh, but um, yeah, probably not in the mega stardom world of um, Chris McCormick and so on, and so a lot of people won't know about you. you you've been on the, in the game for quite a while, so maybe tell us sort of where you started and, and, and how it's been up to sort of this point. Yeah, I started as a kid at high school. I had um, a friend whose father was one of the first Australians to, to head across to Hawaii. Okay, and uh, so, so probably since '84, I, I knew of the sport. So that's I'm, I'm guessing a lot earlier than, than most people knew it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I still remember him coming home or coming back to school, and he had a Timex watch in about '84, '85. <laughs> so we should have kept it; it would be a collector's item. Yeah, now. Well, yeah, yeah. eBay. So, so I mean, I didn't start for a while, but it was probably that that got me going, and and. Uh, I guess I, I mean, I, I kept studying when I finished high school and, and trained and raced and it wasn't until I think 94, I had my first race overseas in, in Numea, yeah. which is uh, still ticking along Yeah. and first came across to the US in 96. So uh, I guess as a professional, that's, I mean, you can class yourself as a professional, but I think until you sort of make a living, it, um, I think that really differentiates you. So I'd say in 96, I really... So I got myself together and, and actually made a profession of it. And, and you're racing short course at that stage? Uh, no, I, um, for some reason, I mean, I guess swimming was a weakness. So when all the, the Olympics and drafting sort of kicked in, um, half Ironman just seemed like a natural distance for me. And uh, I still remember doing my first race at the Australian Long Course Champs. And, I mean, I just, I guess, I mean, I was sort of naive and just went for it and ended up winning the first time I'd done a half Ironman. So I just sort of stepped into that role pretty early. And um, that first trip over to Colorado in 96, I sort of hooked up with Welchie and Mark Allen and those guys. And, I mean, obviously they only had one thing on their minds, and that was sort of long course. So I, I went that direction early on. Okay. Um, yeah, certainly one of the, well, the low lights, low lights for you was... Uh, <laughs> was 97 and um and probably it's one of the the, the races that you maybe came synonymous for in terms of your, your finish there maybe um explain sort of what happened there because i know a lot of people may not have seen it yeah it was uh, i mean i had a great lead up um i'd actually raced the australian ironman earlier in the year and 
so I had a solid result and, and got a lot of confidence out of that and went into Hawaii, as I said, with a, with a good lead up here in Colorado. And it's probably like any young guy, any young girl who finds himself in a position, um, you're just not going to give up. And uh, coming out of the water, I just had pretty much nutritional issues from the start. I, I couldn't stop vomiting. I couldn't keep anything down. Oh, really? So, I mean, I should have, I mean, I should have bailed early. Um, but just I got to the turnaround in Harvey and saw that I was eight minutes down from the leaders and the only reason I was going to keep in the race is if I caught up. So I sort of made a promise to myself that if, if you don't catch up by transition, then your day is done. And I actually sort of worked my way through the field and caught up to Hellregal and, and Jürgen. And, uh, Not a bad effort. <laughs> no, I mean, eight minutes on those guys. Yeah, <laughs> like, 90 I'm failing now. Yeah. And kept going i mean i was in second place for with thomas for a long time and third place into the energy lab and as i said i mean people think like i was crazy but as a 23 year old or 24 year old you're not going to bail when you're third place in hawaii so it just it seemed to progressively get worse i really didn't have any options but to hang on and i mean i I faded back to about sixth place i think by the time i got to the finish shoot but I fluffed around for about 15 minutes in there and I think I ended up about 50 metres short of the finish line and apparently I was the first person to get stretched across the finish line in Hawaii. So really? uh, I still remember waking up and I'm like, did I finish? Did I, where's my finishers medal? And I'm like, sorry, sorry, son, we couldn't give it to you. <laughs> but as I said, I mean, it was, um, it was a great experience in one sense and there was no way I was going to give up and I don't think, people in my position really would it's just like well you just keep sort of fighting and and um there's pretty much a time bomb that went off 50 meters too too early and there was obviously some ramifications following on from that um maybe tell us a bit about that yeah i was in the, um the medical tents for about three hours after that i was i think i was unconscious for about three hours wow. and for some reason they they let me out of the the medical tent back to my hotel room and so being Hawaii that was a Sunday and I mean I spent Sunday night Monday morning all of Sunday just pretty much crawled up in the fetal position and couldn't move and um I guess we're, we're sort of thinking it was just sort of pain from vomiting so much and and obviously just the the side effects of the race but by the time Sunday evening came around, I was rushed off to hospital and had a huge fever and ended up having a, a portion of my large intestine removed because it had actually become gangrenous from during the race. Wow. Quality. <laughs> what was funny is I, I, we got up to the hospital in Kona and the surgeon was there and he's actually a great friend now. We, we catch up every year, but he was standing at the door and he's like, well, I've been expecting you. And I'm like, well, you could have called me two days ago. <laughs> I'm not feeling too, too crash hot at the moment. So he, uh, he was great. Um, he, the good thing is he, he'd been around, around the race and sort of respected what we did. So he, he took a lot of time and, and uh, got me back on track. What were the long-term ramifications of that? Uh, my recovery was, was pretty quick. Um, I mean, there's sort of phases where obviously I didn't think I'd get back into racing. And, I mean, I looked at doing a half Ironman in Australia. I mean, initially I didn't think I'd even start racing, but I started feeling good and I I got some solid racing in and went to the Australian long course champs and um, 
sort of like I remember towing the line. I didn't know if I'd even get through the distance. And the, the amazing thing that race was sort of the turnaround in my career where I could have either quit or sort of kept going. And I remember getting to the halfway point on the bike and had about an eight minute lead on the chase group. Wow. And got off the bike and had about a 14 minute lead. And then I think I ended up winning by about 16 minutes. And that was it. I mean, that was about four months after my surgery. So, I mean, I can tell you now, if it had gone the other direction, it probably would have been the end of my career. And uh, for some reason, I just pulled out a great race. Really? So it really came down to one race one day? It was one race. That was it. I mean, if I struggled through that day, I probably would have doubted myself for a long time. And was it probably six weeks after that that I did Australian Ironman? And um, once again, lucky just to, to race well and went head-to-head with Peter and he out-sprinted me by about five seconds at the end of the Ironman. So, oh, oh, okay, so what was that like? Because, you know, like you don't get that much in Ironman. What was it like? No, it's it's rare. I mean, we've seen Cam do it with uh, with Luke Bell. Yeah, but not, not uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it just doesn't happen. But the, I mean, it was so funny. We got through the whole race where we did not say a single word to each other. And, I mean, that was, I think we went through in about eight hours 20 and... I mean, we ran side by side for pretty much the full Ironman and, I mean, for the full marathon and it came down to a sprint and, I mean, to lose it was obviously frustrating yeah. uh, coming from where I'd come from uh, in terms of that collapse and maybe being the end of my career. I, I mean, I accepted second place, I mean, quite easily, but yeah. walking away, I mean, five seconds is five seconds. It was um, yeah. it was a great experience, and but then it was a frustrating at the end of the day that I'd lost a race by, by that margin. Yeah, totally. So, you, you know, you came back from you know, obviously that first um, medical issue and, and, and it seemed like you, you raced pretty strongly through the through early sort of the 2000 years. And then uh, from what I've read, you had a, a fairly decent medical setback again in 2005. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, racing went well. It was just, I would find that there's just sort of inconsistency. I'd always get sort of stomach issues and it was pretty much because of adhesions. So it's like anyone who has abdominal surgery, um, whether it's from cesareans or something like mine, uh, I just had these, this scar tissue which would wrap around my intestines and just you'd have um, sort of these blockages. So there's a couple of races. The next year in the Australian Ironman, I finished second again to Peter, but at one point I had a seven-minute lead and just just didn't seem to be absorbing any calories. Oh. And went and raced the Brazil Ironman and had a, a seven-minute lead again, and it was just this seesawing. I mean, I got past. I was down by seven minutes. I caught back up. was down by eight minutes and then lost by two minutes. And, I mean, it was, it was hideous the way I was racing, and it was only a month after Brazil that I was in Holland and uh, ended up having surgery again because of a, a bowel obstruction. So I'm, I'm guessing that's what was causing those <laughs> massive swings in those races leading up to it but did, uh, did i also read you had an issue with your heart as well yeah that's <laughs> i've done my research quit, didn't I? <laughs> heart lungs brain everyone says it's in my head <laughs> who knows it's um yeah that was i mean i that's probably what's the most frustrating my intestinal issues are said and done so yeah. in in all my ironman races pretty much after that second surgery I've had no uh, no issues, and even when I went and had the testing done at Gatorade, they worked out my my nutritional protocol, and I honestly have not had a headache since. But 
it's um I'd get about almost exactly to the point, 120 kilometers into the bike ride and start having problems breathing. And then I'd start coughing and then I'd start sort of spitting up blood. So that happened in Canada the first time when I had an eight-minute lead off the bike. And that was sort of my first test of that. And then uh, my last four Ironmans at almost the identical point, 120 kilometers, it had come on again. So it wasn't an, uh, I got to actually the Australian Ironman, the last Ironman I did and prepped really well for it. I uh, didn't have to chase on the bike, just sat there and was in the lead and 120 kilometers, it happened all over again. And my heart rate at that point was in sort of the 130s. So that was pretty much my test. I, I said, if, if you don't have to chase, you can keep yourself controlled and it happens again, then that will be your last sort of Ironman. So that was, that was a few years ago now. And at the end of the day, I guess I was lucky that 70.3 came along at the ideal moment. So do, like, do you have the what-ifs? You know, like you sound like a pretty positive guy, but, you know, you've obviously had some pretty big medical setbacks and, you know, you've been in positions often where you could win races and your, your medical problems have kind of caused you, you know, to not maybe win those races. Has, has that kind of – do you kind of have a lot of what-ifs in your mind or you just moved on? You do personally. Uh, I know – Deep down, I should have won a lot more races. Yeah. And I mean, the biggest one was probably Hawaii 97, where where I was being eight minutes down, catching up eight minutes on those guys and, and, and running the way I did. And I think I still fumbled through to about a 256. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was probably one race that got away. But the only way to think about it is that's Ironman racing. I mean, you've seen collapses chris mccormack did it for years and um yeah i mean as i said personally I've, you do think that at times but that's what this racing's all about yeah and the stories through the history of the sport and and at the end of the day that's what what makes this sport i think we've uh, i think we've covered your medical details break me right now <laughs> so one of the things I've uh, you know we often question Ironman athletes is especially guys like you you, you have been around for, for a while now since the, the mid 90s we know that you know the prize money is pretty rubbish to be honest in, in Ironman races and it's getting a little bit better with the 70.3s but how have you managed to sustain you know a living rather than just living off the bones of your ass um, in the sport where there's not a lot of prize money yeah it's uh I mean, prize money hasn't altered since, uh, I mean, even 2000. I mean, Graham Fraser came along, it was 25,000 for Ironman races and, I mean, sorry, for halves and 50 for Ironman. And, I mean, that hasn't changed and that we're almost looking at a decade. Yeah. So the only thing really is to rely on sponsors and, I mean, I'd probably, as a breakdown, 90% sponsors, 10% prize money. Really? So it's I mean, got great relationships. I've put a lot of work on that side of things, and it actually makes it fun too. I mean, people think it's just sort of the business side of it, but you walk away and you make some fantastic friends. Yeah. And we're all in this sport together, whether it's as an athlete, a race director, or a sponsor. And uh, generally, everyone's yeah, pretty good bunch of, of guys and girls out there. So what, what have you? What are some of the things you've done? Because you know some. The wannabe pro athletes think, oh, it's just a case of putting your, your logo on your top and going out there and racing and, and the coverage you might happen to get in magazines is good enough. Is there any 
maybe tips that you can give for wannabe pro athletes on how they can maybe step it up and become a bit more professional and, and try to get some leverage with sponsors? Yeah, it's, it's a constant. I mean, they say triathlon's a lifestyle sport when it sort of, I mean, it's 24-7, but if you really take on that role as a sponsored athlete, it's it's even more intense. And as an example, I mean, I'm a little injured at the moment, which is frustrating race-wise, but I'm sort of hosting a camp uh, with 20 people coming up from Texas here in Colorado. And I mean, even though it's only sort of small scale, it's, I mean, the sponsors have responded really well. Um, you always sort of have a presence and it's relationships. It's like any business. Um, the strange thing is I, I did a banking and finance degree and often think that I got nothing out of it. But in doing that degree, I did marketing and taxation and management and yeah. I probably walked away with a, a lot of knowledge that I didn't really think <coughs> I'd apply and it, it's actually, I think, worked out at the end of the day. I mean, do you foresee the you know, money changing in terms of prize money in, in Ironman races or you think it's, you know, might be a few more events coming up but the money will probably just stay the same? I'm a little actually concerned at the moment. In, I mean, this purchase from Providence could have gone either way. And, I mean, looking at, I mean, they bought out Graham Fraser and there's talk now in Australia what they're going to do and New Zealand and who sort of, at the end of the day, I mean, taking licensing fees as um, as WTC did isn't the the most beneficial thing for those companies to be doing. Mm. I guess if they have people implementing these races but taking the full profits, then in five years' time they really have an asset to to sell. And these guys have made it clear that they're going to sell it in five to seven years. Yep. So now rather than just taking in licensing fees, they're actually running these races and, and reaping sort of the full return. So in looking at that too, are they going to spend money on, on prize money? Are they going to pay appearance fees or look after athletes' airfares and accommodation expenses? And at this stage, I'm thinking no, because when you go to sell a business, if it's been yeah, three to five, yeah, I mean three to five fold, times your profit in terms of what you're going to sell the company for, if you save $100,000 in, for example, New Zealand Ironman in reducing expenses, then when they go to sell that company in five years' time, that's worth three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 because of the mul- multiple effects. So I'm a little concerned. It's, it could have gone either way, and I'm guessing right now they're, I think they're going to be cutting back. Okay, so like in the situation where we're at, where you know money hasn't really come up in such a long period, and it doesn't really look like it's going to go up, what can pros do? Well, it's it's scary. I mean, the only fallback is the popularity of the sport isn't in question. It's I mean, I'm sitting here in the US, and it's triathlon now is used in sunscreen ads. It's it's mainstream media. It yeah. finally has a presence in the world. I mean, in any developed country in the world, everyone knows what the sport is. Yeah. So we have a presence now, but that's not sort of that's not trickling down to prize money. But there now there's a value for sponsors to step in, whether it's sunscreen or whether it's been could be makeup, it could be anything. Yeah. Uh, it could be shampoo. Um, the only thing we can do as athletes now is is rely on sponsors. I mean, there's such a huge market out there for people to sell products. Um, you. you Athletes are going to have to take on that role, and some people don't enjoy it. And uh, but I think it's going to be through necessity that you're going to have to learn to market and represent sponsors, and as I said, take on that role as 
being the the all-round athlete, someone who can perform but also can represent their sponsors. Just also with regard to WTC, I mean, do you feel comfortable in, in terms of the way they address drafting and, and doping? You know, they're two particular issues that do come up time and time again. No, I mean, <laughs> it's quite simple, isn't it, really? <laughs> Tell us what you really think. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, I mean... I mean, I look at even the selection of race courses and I do have to be careful because I'm still racing. But, I mean, honestly, I've always been critical of 70.3 World Championships. Yeah. It's, it's not a World Championship course. Um, why does it always – why do the results always vary so vastly with a course like Wildflower or Vineman or got any of those rolling courses? Yep. I mean, they're true tests. And, I mean, if you're going to go to Clearwater or if you're going to do Hawaii – why not make the drafting rule 20 metres? It's, it's simple. I mean, there's a huge gap then. It's easy. You, you sort of can tell if you're within 20 metres. Why, why are we going 10? Because it's a real question. Is, is 10 metres drafting or is 11 or 12 or 8? And it is questionable. I mean, in Australia, it's, it's I think, 10 metres or 7 metres. So once you take the bike into account, you're only 5 metres back. Yeah. And you, can, you always hear the, the reports in, in wind tunnel testing that there's no benefit in being seven metres back. And I think we all know as athletes that seven metres, you're going to get assistance. Yep. So take it out to 20. It's easy to perceive what 20 metres is. It's a damn long way. Once you get out that far, you've got no chance of drafting. So, no, they, they have to do it. Otherwise, the, the fields are getting so deep, there's so much talent, then we may as well just make a draft legal. Where do you see 70.3 in the whole scheme of triathlon? You know, like you've got, you've kind of got the short course guys and you've got long course guys and you've got this middle ground now and it seems to be a good way to make money. So it's kind of attracting both ends of the field. Where do you see your 70.3 in the long-term scheme of things? That's a, a difficult one. I, I think 70.3 suits the short course guys a lot better. Yep. Uh, stepping down uh, is is a lot more difficult. I mean, the swim's the same distance, so an Ironman guy's generally going to get sort of pushed back in the field in a 70.3. Uh, because of the drafting rules and, for example, 70.3, it's you still have to be able to ride strong, but you're going to find the, the short course guys can sort of maintain a position on the bike and and then for those guys to run a 111, 112, is say equivalent to 33s, 34s in over 10k. Yeah. So that feels, I mean, pretty tough as an Ironman athlete. But um, I think there'll just be a little less emphasis on Ironman. The prize money's not changing. To spend that much time preparing for an Ironman and recovering, um, your bonuses are probably the same. Uh, I look at my bonus schedule, and if I want a 70.3 or an Ironman, it's exactly the same. So I'm really only looking at a five, three thousand dollar difference in prize money yeah so why spend 10 weeks specifically preparing for an ironman and spending the next eight weeks trying to recover from it when in that same period you could probably raise three four 70.3s what's the argument one, one argument that gets put out there and, and it's we hear it a lot you know and it's, it's probably a u.s kind of thing more than the world thing but you know the ironman is triathlon and if you're in america if you're on a plane and someone talks to you and they say you do triathlon you know it's ironman you know we hear this a lot and What's your view on that, and do you think that will change over time, or is it in America, Ironman is it, and that's what it's ever going to be? I mean, Ironman's huge here. Yeah. That's, I mean, you look at Europe, and they've got 
I mean, it could be the Iron Tour or sort of the French teams in Australia. It's in pure Olympics, uh, little knowledge of Ironman. It was even funny. I mean, Cam from Tribeyes was uh, just organising my website today with me and he was telling the guy that, that no, I don't do Ironman. And then there's the guy doing my website's like, well, is he a triathlete anymore? <laughs> so, I mean, you're spot on. I mean, just, that's just, um, that's the way it is. I mean, it's funny, for years sort of in Australia, you always had to be careful when you said Ironman because they thought of surf Ironman. Right, yeah. But the only way is like, what do you do? And it's like, well, I do, have you heard of the Hawaiian Ironman? And they get it straight away. So there's definitely value in that. Um, and I guess that's why they branded it Ironman 70.3. Yep. But for us in the metric world, we're going to have to change that because no one has a damn clue what 70.3 is. <laughs> 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 we'll educate them one day. <laughs> so what are you? Uh, sorry. Oh, sorry. You go ahead. No, I just, I mean, in terms of an, an event, I mean, I, I sometimes see Ironman as being unhealthy for the family guy or, or wife, yep. if you've got kids a career it's it's not the healthiest sort of pastime to have and uh 70.3 is just a an easier distance to manage you still get to qualify for a world championship i mean doesn't compare to hawaii but it's still you still represent your country and um i think you're going to see it grow for that reason it's a lot more achievable uh for the masses do you like the idea of a world series yeah i think uh i'd actually like to see a regional series okay. uh not a lot of Australians or New Zealanders or people from Asia can really get across to, for example, the World Championships in Florida, and, and why would you? Yep. Uh, it's a long way from, from our side of the world. Uh, and I could see, I mean, why don't we have a 70.3 European Championship? You could leave America and Canada and, say, Mexico alone and then have a Pacific Rim uh, South Pacific Championship. Yeah. And I think you'd find New Zealanders and Australians would prefer that. It's as I said, it's fourteen hours to get to to LA, uh, three hour layover, and all the way to Florida. And the course isn't isn't going to be the the true test. It's not going to be the true indicator. So I think uh, maybe we just have a roving uh, regional championship around the Pacific. Mm, nice. So maybe we can hold it down here in Christchurch. Yep. John will okay. it for you. He's, he's on top. <laughs> he's good at these things. <laughs> you got it. Uh, the, uh, it'd be a lot more challenging than Florida, put it that way. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've, you talked you're a little bit injured at the moment. What, what are your sort of plans for the for the season and what are, what are your sort of goals for the year? I, yeah, I mean, this is very frustrating. In What do you got? What's up? Is it, oh, I've got uh, – it's actually funny. I always – osteitis pubis which is uh, well-known in Australia for footballers. Oh, okay. Um, so it's that sort of uh, bone just at the front and uh, it's just become a little unstable. So very annoying. I mean, even walking is an issue because it sort of shears and, and still moves. So it's just been a, a slow rehab process. But good thing is I'm starting to swim well. So that's always been my issue for years. So. The only thing I've been able to do for two, three months is, is swim. So uh, it's actually, it's a good thing. I mean, I've never really committed myself and, and swum every day because, I, I mean, I love riding and running so much. So I'm just dealing with it. I'm like, well, that's what I can do. That's pretty much the only thing that lets me down in races. And whenever I've come out of a, a swim in the lead pack, it's, it's pretty rare for me to, to have a bad day. Yeah. 
So uh, I'll just deal with that, keep swimming, and um, I probably would be able to race in July, but I'm going to hold back and, and just do it in August and, and make sure I get over this problem. Great. What, how old are you, Chris? 36. So how much longer do you see yourself in the sport for at this kind of high level? Uh, I'd love to be around for two, three more years. Yep. It's funny, I keep, I keep saying three, and I probably said that six years ago. <laughs> So it's funny. I mean, I've got a family now and have to make decisions in terms of schooling. But, I mean, I love what I do. And I guess the fact I have been injured and uh, just not being able to train and uh, and race like I ha- would have liked in the last six months, I realised that I enjoy what I do. And uh, to have that, it's always the same with anyone, to have it sort of threatened and taken away not by choice. Um, you sort of realise that you, I mean, I, I've realised that I, I love what I do and, uh, I guess I'm lucky. I, I sort of with the balance of racing and training, I've never had an issue with committing to that, and I also like the sponsor side of things. So, um, yeah, I'd love to to keep going for a few more years, definitely. Does, does like, you sound like you're a pretty smart guy, but does life after sport does that seem scary, or is that an exciting period? And how do you kind of approach that? That's a that's a tough one. Um, a tough question. I like it. Good yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. It's like do you, I mean, I've actually thought. I mean. As I said, I mean, probably from when I was 32, 33, you start thinking, well, is this coming to an end? And it keeps being prolonged. But I was always questioning, do you have to be remain in the sport? I mean, we learn so much and we're, we're experts in terms of, I mean, it could be racing or training, but we're, I mean, we understand the sport and the dynamics of the whole sport. And um, I know sometimes I think it's, it's almost wasted trying to stay in the sport, particularly in Australia or New Zealand, where it's, it's just not a... a a huge industry. Mm. So to remain in the sport, it'd have to be over in the U- in the US, uh, where there's just a lot more opportunities with television or sponsors. And um, I always like to think that I could walk away and take the disciplines from the sport and apply them to something different. Yep. Um, but then I think that it's almost a financial decision. Um, so personally, I like to land in the middle, earn a good living, but hopefully have some involvement in the sport that's been been good to me for 20 years. Yeah. So you mentioned um, you've, uh, you're getting a new website running. How far off is that? And if people want to find out a bit more about you? It's well, going backwards and forwards with Cam at the moment. So Did, did, did you have Iron Man, Chris? Was that you who did that? Or did you have Iron Man on your website? No. Oh, there must be another athlete. Okay, sorry. Anyway, keep going. That's all right. <laughs> no, it's, um, it goes live uh, for me to sort of review this week and then uh, – it will be probably online next week. Great. So finally, just when I'm getting to the end of my career, I've got a website. <laughs> well, what's the link? Uh, it's going to be uh, chrislee.com. Okay, great. It's great. I used to have a um, – I used to race in Europe and on a French team, and I had Chris Lees, who was an Australian guy, and he oh. always used to get confused with, with you, and you go, no, I'm a short course guy. That guy's long course. <laughs> yeah, I always heard it was, um, oh, that's Chris Lee. That's the shit one. You're the good one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I knew him well. But that was always the, the funny thing. There's Mark Lee's, and Mark then there was Chris Lee's. Lee, and then there's Chris Lee. So Chris there's a, a Chris McCormack, Chris Hill. There's a few of us floating around. Do, do you have a few uh, athletes who you loved racing? Like, uh, I suppose in our sport, you're not always in the longest stuff. You're not always racing the same guys every weekend, so you maybe you don't have the rivalry so much. But do you have your athletes who you kind of over the years maybe did have some rivalry with? I always enjoyed racing. Me, Peter. Yeah. Uh, read that is i mean at the end of the day we only had a couple of tight battles but 
he was always someone I just enjoyed watching racing and I liked racing with him. Um, it's funny, I mean, even I mean, Tim DeBoom, I mean, he had a purple patch in the middle there and just that style of racing. I mean, I look at Cam Brown, same thing. There's just guys I respect and like sort of starting races with. And even now it's it's funny, Terenzo and I have a, a pretty good relationship where um, I think I'm a couple of races still ahead of him. I hope I am. But uh, I seem to always run past him. He seems to blow up a little bit. So I always give him a good slap on the ass when I run past. So, <laughs> I mean, he's obviously won a world championship now, but um, – I know sometimes you take on a role as one of the older guys and try to help some younger guys through. And um, I mean, in talking of that to it, that's the motivation. Uh, we've had a, a few in our generation sort of retire and uh, you, you sort of sit in a, a pro meeting or at the start of a race, you look around and there's a bunch of 23-year-olds to 28-year-olds and you want to prove you've still got it. So it's, it's great motivation. And uh, I enjoy that side of it as well at the moment. Well, thank you very much for your time. We know you do some good stuff there with Tri-Buys, and uh, we'll put a link up to your website, and um, all the very best for the rest of this year. Yeah, bring it on, mate. Got to be great, mate. Uh, it's getting there. So um, wife's pregnant, so I won't be doing any damage to my pelvis. So it's <laughs> <laughs> I actually better get home. She's due in about 10 days. So oh, really? I've just wow. got to host this camp, and, and we'll be home for the, the second kid. Wow. Good luck with Exciting that. Exciting times. Cool. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, mate. Okay, that was uh, Chris Lee. Beautiful. Be interesting to see how he uh, cranks up the seventy the seventy point three and half Ironman circuit this year. Yeah. No more Ironmans for him. Are we going to do well? Mm. Uh, sponsors. Okay, John. Go Athlinks.com. Yeah, we were actually we we're on Athlinks, weren't we, John? And we want you guys to to help us be number one on be Athlinks. number one because if you go to the Expo, which is basically where business can sort of interact with uh, the members on Athlinks. Yeah. Is we're currently somewhere. We're somewhere, fourth. We're fourth. Wait, let's go to it. Let's go to it. Expo. And we we're beating be- Apple, which I, mean, I love Apple, but I'm loving that we're be- oh, we're fifth. Fifth. We want to get to the top. And now we've got a while to go because Essex are way in front of us. We've got 807 friends. We've so we're close to Brooks and Nike. Yeah. And Garmin's a while ahead, and Essex are a while ahead. But That's we want to be number one. And there is no reason we know how many listeners we have out there. There is no reason why we couldn't be. It's a little bit disappointing to be honest, John. Five or it's ten. A little bit disappointing. Five or tenfold in front of Essex. How many hours of our life have we given to you, and, and you can't even support us here? It's all we ask, <laughs> and supporting Athens. And we wouldn't be blaring on about it if we didn't think it was good. I look, I think it's great when you can. Keep but what's results. cool then is that if you join our cool crew, the IM Talk Club on Athens. Then you can see what everyone else in the club is racing that weekend. So we've actually, you know, obviously we're recording this a few weeks in advance, but coming up this weekend, real time for us, yep. May the 31st, we've got people racing in the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon. Let's name them. You keep talking. Oh, there's lots of people racing. Goodness, there's a few. Wow. See, there's creepers. Loving that. Okay, yeah. yep. So we did name them all. Um, and then we've got people racing in Auburn. Uh, 70.3 in Hawaii. The Mar- Mazzioni Middle Distance. The fourth annual Orange County Duathlon. The Power Sprint in Virginia and the Kansas City Triathlon. So it's cool. Um, you can get, you know, if we can really get this community going on there, we can get good what? numbers. You know what's cool? What's cool, Evan? Oh, John, as you can do that. Bobby, Bobby B. Robbie B. Oh, sorry, Bob. Robbie B did the Fleet Feet Aquathon. And Roger Beale Jr. I love the Jr. 
did, I might name, uh, did the seventy point three along with Ben Score. He's done a few contributions to the oh, show. Oh, see, and what's cool is if you're going to a race and you want to see if another I am talk listener. So we've got two people in Hampshire, Great Britain, doing the how to say one. Enos Swashbuckler Triathlon. We've got a good old John Roper. And you can see a picture of them. And David Hannaford. Man, that's a cool photo of David, isn't it? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Forget, you remember... remember Look at that mountain. Well, the other thing is, we're thinking on our feet here, you go to a race, you you do it, no, you've done the race, and you meet a couple of people, they say they listen to I Am Talk, you go, I remember the face, forgot the name, always forgetting names... Go on here. You can look at the little picture. Oh, John, you're, you're a thinker. And you can see the names. That's it. Got it. John. Logged it. You need a pay rise. That's right. Okay. Bevan's point. a good... <laughs> when, we, when you go out Bevan, he's trying to remember the names of people. And we're sitting at a table at the, um, the awards. Oh, so I, get the someone, so I get something wrong, right? No, but he, he, he's trying to remember the names and he goes, what's your name? And he stares at them. <laughs> he just stares at them for about five or ten seconds, just stares at them. And he goes, yep, I've got it. I've got it. And then he goes, the next person, what's your name? Steers. But I, do I remember them all? Yes, I, I did. Know, I, I did. And, no, and what I do, because I learned how to remember names, so I'm, I'm associating John. Yeah. And then what I do is I tell them how I've associated their name. They find yeah. it funny. It's all good fun for everyone. And I don't forget their name. Right. I probably knew their names and you didn't. And you've known them for years. Oh, I know the names. Yeah, I'm good with names. I'll try it. Okay. Well, you've got to, you've got to do the association. Yeah, I'll give you the book. <laughs> He's Seven. looking at me like a freaking Mullet. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Uh, Tony Buzar, use your memory. I've got the book there. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Bloody anyway, what a fantastic show. It's third one of the day. Wait a second, we haven't finished. Haven't we? Coffees of Hawaii. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Coffees of Hawaii.com. Yeah. Remember, what do you, what do you want to do? Remember yeah. the, <laughs> the boys are getting tired. Discount. You know what we need right now, John? Coffee. Some coffee from Coffees <laughs> of Hawaii. <laughs> to get us through to the end. Put in your code. I am talk and you get Have you been to Molokai? 20% discount. 20% discount if you put in the code I am talk. Uh, no, I haven't been to Molokai. No. Well, if you ever go, John, you know what you can do? We should have booked it in on we our We should have booked this in, eh? We should have done that because you can visit the plantation. Yeah. And we had a couple of people over the time actually visit plantation and they think it's bloody brilliant. So if you are looking to go to Kona this year and you're looking for something a little bit different to do after the race, you want to have a bit of chill, chilling out, Maybe go see the volcanoes and stuff first. Maybe go up to the observatory. And you've got a couple of days spare at the end. Why not pop over to Molokai, check no, out the different horses. islands. Horses. Nice. Nice. So. It would be quite cool to go see how the old yeah, coffin. I've, yeah. I've got absolutely no idea Neither. how it's yeah. harvested. So from 6 to 5 on weekends, 5 to 4 on set days, and 8 on oh, weekdays, sorry, and 8 to 7 on Sunday. Long day. Mm. Look at that. Coffee's of Hawaii. 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 Look at that. But horsey rides. Oh, mate, take the kids. Okay, trybuys.com. Okay, John, what's, I'll go bike. Bike. Okay, let's see how cheap we can get a bike. Do you have bikes? Lots of this is a specials page, Ben. We're still on specials. I know, John. Coyote. Look, there's a good 20, 30% off some of these things. And we've said this in the past, and we'll say it again. John, say it again. Um, if you are looking you know, at getting a bike, you're not quite sure, you're looking on the website, you're not quite sure, just either get on the phone or email them through. We've had lots of emails oh. back saying they'll, they'll call you back, they'll talk through, you're going, I'm not quite sure what size frame I want, do I want to go for the TT bike, do I want to go for the road bike, what's the difference between this TT bike, this TT bike, um, and they'll talk you all through it. You know what I think you should do as well, because I know international shipping, you've got to spend 500 bucks US, which for a lot of people, like in New Zealand, that can be quite expensive. Get on your Athlinks page, get with your club, and mm. say, hey, look, I'm buying something, thinking of buying something through tri-buys, because like, you're looking at two times your bib, $47 US, now, you're probably, what's the US dollar at the moment? 
roughly double it. It's not quite double, but so that's... So you're probably about 90 bucks. 80, 80 90 bucks. Like, you're paying 180 bucks for it here. I know. You know, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's half price. And now, sure, if you put shipping in, it's different, but if you can get your mates and just do one order together, mm-hmm. and then you, you're all going to save a heap of money. And now, John, I was looking at that photo of you if you knew of Auntie Bike last week on the website. Yes. Bloody brilliant. You look, you look hot. Yeah. I, I can say that because I'm, you know, I'm quite happy myself. Yeah. And I was looking at the bike, flash. Flash. Top flash. The yep. pants flash, John. You need to get on dry bike and get some new get shoes. shoes. Yes. That's I've disgrace. Got, I've, got, I've got two pairs of shoes to see. So I've got some trainers and some It was a disgrace, races, John. So I probably need to get another pair of shoes You now do, because it was just wrong. It was. It was, yeah, honestly. Didn't have my special fancy shoes on. I almost felt like cutting out the bottom of the photo. Honestly, but then it would have made the bike look bad, so I decided yeah. not to. But So there we go. Sponsors. Athlinks.com. Get on it. Trybuys.com. Get on it. Coffeesofwhy.com. Buy. What do we, what do we do? Just drink it. Just drink <laughs> Was that on last show? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, but it was good. Yeah, nice. Um, Iron Rust. No, 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 we got to go yet. <laughs> I want to go home, Bevan. I want to go home. I've had enough. <laughs> I need to pan this out for half an hour because it's a short what show. What did you just say? Pan this out. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think I said? Well, I'm not going to say. <laughs> Have you seen Star Trek yet? No, I haven't. Do you want to see... Are you a Trekkie? No, I think we've talked about Star Trek. You want to see it. Yeah, but are you a Trekkie? No, I'm not. Are you an anything You know, like, did you love Buck Rogers or... Uh, no, not really. Really? No. What's your favourite TV programme right now? Favourite TV programme right now? Do you watch Better Star? I like Rove. Australian oh, TV. It's just entertainment. I mean, I like you need deep thinking. No, there is no deep thinking on you don't even have a TV no but I have seen Battlestar Galactica yeah and that's pretty pretty brilliant yeah yeah, and that's deep thinking because I wouldn't be watching it otherwise because I'm a deep thinker you are a deep thinker <laughs> don't do a lot of TV watching these how days. do you think I went on my marathon I'll tell you how I went do you want to hear about my race yep you tell me about <laughs> no, no no I want to hear your prediction so then a few weeks from now I can listen to the show yeah okay so how do you think I went so you're aiming for, I reckon you should go about 238-ish maybe a little bit quicker I'd be surprised if you got under 235. I'm not. Oh, no, I'm not aiming to go that fast. I wouldn't be completely blown away, but I think incrementally, every minute below 240 is quite a big yeah, step. Yeah, yeah. So I think 238... I don't think I could pull off that. Not because I don't think I can do it, but I'm racing to my watch. Yeah. So first lap, I'm going to sit down the time. Yeah. And so I'm not going to break, break five minutes off in the second lap. Yeah. You exactly. know, so, it, like, I'm, I think the time I'm working towards takes me around 238. Yeah. But... That's allowing for some slow time in the second lap, so yeah. yeah. I actually did two eleven. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you got it wrong. Course record. I won it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to the Olympics. Nice. You would be Didn't even try to. Yeah. You would be, wouldn't you? No. This is here's what you did. You're running along. You're on target for two eleven, and then you fell flat on your face <laughs> with for fifty meters to go, and or five my, to go, my wires tripped me up. And the guy, five guys passed you, and you finished six. <laughs> And did three hours twenty. That's right. <laughs> right now, here we go. Iron Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.